I want to connect with people because my music means something to them in their life or it connects to their life story. So that's just what I hope keeps happening. Hi again, everybody. This is John Alexander with another edition of the Band Twango podcast. And uh, today's guest, we've been actually looking so forward to talking to uh, because as what Band Twango does here in artist development, we uh, are, I guess, the catalyst, the nucleus of what we do is a uh, crowdfunding platform. And we assist these artists and help raise money for uh, uh, them to finish projects and to market their projects and to do videos and to get to the studio and we have a success story in front of us who is not a newcomer to the music business uh she's been around for a while uh but she just did a campaign which we're going to talk about with kickstarter that opened up so many eyes not just here in the band twango office but of course around the country and throughout the music business so say hello to Liz Longley. Liz, how are you doing? Good. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you for coming out to the uh, beautiful offices here mm-hmm. at uh, WeWork. Might as well give them a plug. I mean, it's such a great space here. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit to you today about your journey and, and how uh, this Kickstarter campaign came about and uh, all the great things that are happening since then. Let's do it. Let's do it. So tell us a little bit about your journey in the music business. You've been you've been a recording artist for a long time. Yeah, I started recording when I was a teenager. My dad was um, one of my first like gifts when I was 16 years old was a, a trip to the studio. So I started recording when I was young. And uh, I've been I think this is my sixth full length record. Um, so I've been doing it for about 15 years. Where are you from? Originally from outside of Philadelphia, a little okay. town called Downingtown. All right. But I've been in Nashville now since 2011. Wow. Yeah. So you've been... I hopped you've, around. You've seen everything in this town. Like, I mean, I feel so like many I've... many changes. So many changes, but I can only imagine the people that have been here for 20 years. I live in East Nashville, and mm-hmm. the growth there is incredible. It is. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's quite a bit. And the music business has changed over those years as well. I've been here 20 years now, and... It's not the same town as when I first got here in 2000. It's just everything has changed about it. But you as a recording artist uh, back in the day, take us a little bit. uh, uh, Tell us a story uh, about your journey. Like, were you signed immediately? How did you build this uh, momentum to, you know, to put six albums out? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about Well, it all started when I just loved performing. So Mm -hmm. when I was young, I tried to perform every weekend, and then I went to college. I went to Berklee College of Music and studied songwriting. Great school. It's a great school. I loved every second of it. And I was touring pretty much every weekend there as well. And when I got off the summers, I would just book these tours and just try to stay busy because I loved to perform. And um, when it came time to graduate, I just knew that I wanted to be in a music city, obviously. And I touring is super important to me and Nashville just made so much sense. So I moved here as an independent artist and it came time to make what I, I wanted to make my first real record, you know, and I launched my first Kickstarter. Uh, it was like a year into living here and made a record on Music Row with the best players who have played on, you know, all the greatest records like James Taylor and um, just Carol King and all these amazing records. And so those are kind of your heroes. Yeah. Too. Yeah. I was so nervous just to be in the room with them, but it was an amazing, it was amazing. We were in um, 
oh my gosh, what's that beautiful studio music row? I'm going to forget the name, but it Ocean was just, Way? Ocean Way. Yeah. Yes. It was stunning. Yeah. It's a stunning yeah. place. So to start off my time in Nashville like that, that was, that was a Kickstarter campaign that again, went really well. And now did you have a fan base before you did this? I mean, just how did, from touring, I did so much. Touring. So you just went out on the road after college and just started even during college, even before college just playing just what time. little coffee houses or anywhere, anywhere, literally. Anywhere. And did you get a mailing list uh, yep. put together at the time? Mm-hmm. I did. I did. I was, I was pretty, I was, I was selling CDs when I was in high school. I was just like starting my own little business. <laughs> my parents are entrepreneurs. So it just, it was a natural thing to feel like this is, I knew it was what I wanted to do. So, and crowdfunding back then was even more, you know, like even sure. today there were questions about crowdfunding. Yeah. But back then it was like even hardly, hardly popular. any musicians were doing it back then, I would think. Oh, for me, I felt like it was more popular back then. Mm-hmm. I was definitely more scared to do it this time around, especially when you've done one already. Well, you didn't have the you didn't have the enormous amount of competitors that were also going for money. I mean, but you have That's to market true. to your fan base. But yeah. when you uh, can stand alone in a crowdfund campaign rather than be surrounded by three hundred other campaigns, yeah, it, it, it may it's a little bit different. So you were an innovator yeah. way back when. Well, it was the only way really to make this record that I that I had in my mind. I really wanted to make. Um, and that record actually got me a record deal. Mm-hmm. So I released it independently and then was playing a show at Franklin Theater. It was, it was really? a show. It was a board meeting. There were seven people there, I think. Um, but the head of Sugar Hill Records was there, uh, Cliff O'Sullivan. Mm-hmm. And so after the, the show, he asked, you know, what, what, what's this record? Where are these songs that you're playing? What are they on? And that's the record that they signed me on. So it was a really magical time. That was like 2014. And uh, I was really excited at all that we could do together and doing that record with them it's my self-titled record um it was a great experience it was so much fun and having that support from that kind of team was unlike anything i had been able to do as an independent artist you know videos and uh, a pr team and so it elevated you from someone who was just going out playing clubs and and then doing a little indie record yeah. that you raise money for you go play a theater in franklin you get signed yeah <laughs> like everybody's dream yeah it was it was like out of the movies but um but then i did another record with them and things started changing at the label and uh they put a record out called waitlist and that's kind of when everything started shifting and um basically i made this new record funeral from my past and it became clear that the only option for this to be released the way that i had envisioned was for me to buy it back which was daunting, overwhelming. I just, there was only one way to do that as well. I, the only way I could do it was to launch another Kickstarter. So what what caused the eventual split? It was just because there was a lot of changes with the infrastructure of the label. Yeah, uh, there was no plan. A lot of players coming back and forth, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, it sometimes the artists get caught in the crossfire when there are changes going on and then, you know, what happens to your work and you want that work out so your fans and the public can hear it and in this situation you had a record that was done complete and that i was really was excited like, about you was it your choice to say you know what folks um i really appreciate everything you've done but i think i want to kind of do this myself or was it kind of them it was saying, mutual it was it a was mutual, mutual thing so yeah. it was for everyone was kind of on the same page like yeah. this isn't working so you know yeah. just go out but then it was time for you to get the master and it was like well um yeah we yep. kind of own that 
so, you kind of owe us a lot of money if you want this music. Yeah. Well, so. yeah, business takes over and the yeah. CPAs and the accountants kind of come into play. And then all of a sudden it's like, now what? Yeah. But you had the experience previously of raising money through mm-hmm. Kickstarter. And you mm-hmm. said, well, let me try to do this again. Yeah. And this time, I'm sure that you had a, a bigger fan base. Because mm-hmm. you're really kind of passed. like this, you're kind of like this secret in this town. And, you know, you have this hardcore fan base yeah. that love you. You got people in the industry, uh, peers, musicians, everyone is like singing your praises all the time. So now, like this best kept secret, you want this, which I'm sure you're proud of, to come out mm-hmm. in a timely fashion. Mm-hmm. And so tell us, that was immediately when you had Kickstarter. I'm going back. No, I had to be talked into it. Okay. <laughs> I, I was really scared to do it again. I I think when I first did a Kickstarter, and, and the first one went really well. We raised $55,000. and Big money back yeah, then. I was able to make a record of my dreams, and that changed my life. But to go back to those same fans and say, I need you again, was really humbling. And I just didn't want to do it. But it was clear that it was really, truly the only way to do this. So um, I did, and I'm so glad that I did. It took so much planning. I mean, I wanted it to go off without a hitch. And How long did it take for you to plan this probably campaign? Probably two months. Okay. Yeah, and like a large whiteboard of all the things that I needed to do so that I wouldn't get overwhelmed. Because right now I don't have a manager. Um, it really falls on my shoulders, and, and I wanted it to come off super professional. I want people to know that they can trust me because they're investing in me. You know, they're, they're saying, I'm going to put my hard earned money into this product. So I want to be able to deliver and give them more than, than they, than they thought they could get. So I try to offer a lot of, a lot of rewards that would be exciting to them. And ultimately it comes down to you connect with these people, hopefully in person. A lot of these people that donated to them, I recognize their names. I go, oh yeah, I've been to their house or I know their kids or I've seen them at 20 shows and um, just connecting with them again. And I felt so connected to them when they showed up for me in this way. But the big thing in preparation for this was reaching out to the people that had been there for me over the years. Personally written emails to about 600 people wow before it launched saying can i count on you and they all said yes so that first day was critical and i told them that the first day is critical if this is going to go well people need to see that other people believe in it so they all showed up on day one and that was the game changer i think wow and um i mean your socials i mean looking at the numbers that you have right now and you have like almost 11,000 on Instagram. You got uh, a smaller number uh, on Twitter, but Facebook is about 17, almost 18,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, your YouTube, you have uh, 7,000 subscribers. Um, and uh, these are, you know, your super fans. So when you, when you talk about going to these fans, you took the personal touch where you're, you emailed 600 of them or so just mm-hmm. to kind of kickstart the kickstarter exactly so so that first day was amazing for you and, yeah and um you raised how much money altogether on this a hundred and fifty thousand dollars that's amazing yeah 1302 people did that amazing yeah amazing i have and to pinch myself still how long did it take you to do it we did it it was a 30-day campaign that was it boom yeah yeah wow 
but we've surpassed the goal of $45,000 on the first day. Mm-hmm. And then once that happened, I mean, I was just blown away. I was shocked. But then it was like, oh, wait, this is this is blowing up. This is a story. Yeah. And so then Billboard did a story on it, and uh, it was on the Grammy.com website. Don't know how that happened. A lot of publicity. Um, was yeah. it Was it organic? Did you have a publicist? or? I did have a publicist, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, eventually, I hired mm-hmm. a publicist like two or three weeks into it going, is you know, now that I know that I can afford to hire you for a month, right. you know, maybe you can help me. And um, I'm really glad that I did because getting the word out in the industry, it was. I think it's going to be helpful down you the had, road. You had a story. You had yeah. a successful story, and then you know, obviously, Billboard gave it major play. Yeah, yeah. Has that helped you? Um, has that helped you also grow a fan base or get more industry or media people uh, knowing who you are just based on what the success you had for this campaign? I've, Did it open up more doors for you? I'd like to think so. I've had a lot of people reach out um, that I wasn't expecting, um, managers who are interested, and just people, different people on that have come out of the woodworks from the past are like, hey, if you need any help with yeah. yada, yada, yada. <laughs> but it's been really important to me to build the right team. I'm not yes. just going to get anxious and take on someone because I'm overwhelmed. I'm really lucky that my fiancé is in the music industry. And he's worked with independent artists for, you know, a decade. So he was really influential in getting me to go back into the Kickstarter world. He was like, we can do this. We got this. And, um, yeah, so we'll see. I think it'll be interesting how this year plays out. The record will come out this year. Um, In about a week, everybody on my Kickstarter is going to get the album. So it'll be exciting to hear their response to it before it goes out into the world because that's always scary. So have you now hired any independent radio people to work a single are you going the spot of, are you doing all the all the things now an artist has to do yeah yeah now now it's on my shoulders but um th- yep i'm talking to a radio team i have a publicist for the entire record that i'm really excited about um i have a distribution company so yeah things are things are coming into into place that's good yeah and how are your Spotify? Do you go? Are you have a? Uh, you have a good Spotify presence right now, or streaming? I don't think that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's it's a good thing and a bad thing. But I think that a lot of people that I see at shows, they're they're buying my physical. Yeah, well, that's sales. It's great. Yeah, it's great. I but mean, I realize because there's that a lot of artists today that like, oh my goodness, I got ten thousand streams on Spotify. Now, what does that mean? What does that translate to? Because you're not making money from it. I know you're getting a quarter of a penny of for a spin. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people kind of pat themselves on the back. Well, we got twenty five thousand streams on Spotify this week, and da 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 da. But I mean, your approach is kind of an old school approach in, in a lot of ways, yeah. and it's working. It is working. It's. I, I think that the best of both worlds. I would love to be, you know, doing a little bit more on Spotify. But I think that's what's going to happen with my new record. I haven't put out new music in a really long time. How and long? A Spotify was not even really a thing when I put out my wow. last record. It's been a while. Yeah, it's been like four years. It's been I mean, some sabbatical for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm excited. I have. Um, Tone Tree doing my distribution, and they're really great at Spotify playlisting. And I think that's where I really want to grow with this record business-wise, is to have some attention on finding new fans on Spotify. But my my previous fans, I think, are showing up on Kickstarter Mm -hmm. and buying my record off my website or buying a record at the show. And so I think Spotify, mentally, that's where I want to go. That's where I want to find new fans. Well, that's kind of the way where... um if you break through, if you can break through, 
uh, as an indie artist on Spotify, it can open up a tremendous amount of doors for you Absolutely. and other contacts in the business. And all of a sudden, you know, you may get a call from another record company, you know, hey, you know, how you doing? We, we've yeah. been watching you. And yeah. So because that's how it's done today. Mostly it's like they're on social media and they're on Spotify. They're checking the numbers and the numbers. analytics. And, 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 and that's kind of a really crappy way of discovering an artist you know, because it lo- it loses what this business is supposed to be about: mm-hmm. passion, and creativity, and artistry. So um, uh, that's why, in your approach, it's kind of new school meeting old school in a lot of ways. You're using the crowdfunding, which is still considered kind of new school, mm-hmm. uh, but you're also using an old school approach, yeah, which is really good. So you're really a unique story, unique situation. Uh, on the new project that's coming out, I mean, uh, is there an emphasis song that you're like, this is the one that's going to be featured initially uh, as the record comes out? Well, the first single that we're doing comes out January 31st. It's a song called Three Crow. But the album is called Funeral for My Past, which okay. is which is named after a song on the record. And that, to me, is the, sums up the meaning of, of the record. It's what I want people to walk away with. It's a mm-hmm. song about letting go of things that mm-hmm. burden you from your past and kind of moving forward. Um, so that to me sums up the whole record. There's a lot of story songs on the record that are things I was letting go of in preparation of writing that song. Yeah. And uh, we'd like to actually play it here. So uh, uh, if you don't mind, uh, we'd like to give it a spin. Why don't you tell us a little backstory again about the single and uh, who was involved with it, the producer, and give us a little backstory of the song, and then uh, we'll play it and let everybody give it a sure, listen. Sure, that'd be awesome. Uh, the first single is Three Crow. It was produced by Paul Moak. Paul Moak. Do you know Paul? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. He's working with another artist that we have been talking to named Kathleen Reagan from, uh, from New England. Oh, and of cool. course, I'm familiar with him. He's a you know what is a five time Grammy nominee yeah. and all the mm-hmm. great artists that he's worked with. That's incredible that you work with Paul. It was it was such an honor. I loved working with him. It was very a great vibey experience. dude, isn't he? Yes, his studio. Like walking into his studio is like a spiritual experience yeah. every time. There's always candles and incense burning, and and there are pictures of Mother Mary everywhere, and it's just it's a very warm and inviting place. And it was the perfect place to make this record. Well, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. So uh, why don't we give it a listen right now, and then we'll be back on the other side.
with this project um, this is an incredible story one thing I wanted to ask you I mean as this whole process begins to take place and the album is now going to be out what advice do you give the newcomers out there the newbies what what can you tell them as a peer like uh, to not give up on their dreams or you know they're playing Broadway they're doing whatever they can they're playing writers nights you have been able to uh, survive not give up and it's been over the course of many, many years. So what advice do you give somebody that may be just starting out or maybe somebody who may be in your shoes is like, mm-hmm. I've been doing this for, you know, almost a decade and I'm still struggling. Mm-hmm. Like, what do you tell somebody like that f- so they don't give up? I think it's, re- it's important to remember why you're doing it, why you got into it in the first place. And for me personally, I the thing that keeps me going is remembering that my ultimate goal is to connect with people. That's what I want to do. And when I feel lost and I feel hopeless, because it's easy to feel that way in this industry, I try to think, what can I do that's going to make me feel connected to people through music? So whether that's getting, that's why I always play shows, because that's where I find my sanity. So find what keeps you going. Find what, what inspires you. And, um, and do that all the time as much as possible. And don't let anyone get in the way of it. And surround yourself with champions, I guess. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, that's uh, that's great advice because we deal with young artists every day, uh, Van Twango, and a lot of people just they just they just get discouraged because there's nobody I out understand. there to really help them. And yeah, artist development is kind of gone. And yeah. not only in this town but in the whole music business in a way. Our associate from Van Twango, Nicole Hoagland, has some up questions for you to follow up. I kind of want to bring it back a little bit because, as John said, we do do artist development for a lot of the talent that we're seeing. And you've had not one but two successful Kickstarter campaigns. And I think with that, that's kind of a dream that maybe some of the people that are listening have. Um, 
when you started your first Kickstarter, because you wanted to do it independent when you moved to Nashville, you had over 600 packers. What kind of made you choose the Kickstarter campaign way back when? Well, I don't think, uh, well, I guess Pledge Music was around, right? Um, but Kickstarter just seemed like the right right platform. Um, I like how everything's laid out. Uh, the back end seemed manageable for me. You know, you want it to be organized. You want to, you know, what the hardest part is after the campaign's over and figuring out how to get all those rewards to everyone, right? So you want to have a platform that you can trust. And Kickstarter always just made sense to me. That's great. Um, and with the 600 backers that you had in your first one, did you do anything in the same way where you prepared for the second one where you reached out to fans personally? Or was the first one kind of a test subject where you were kind of figuring out how to make it work and how to be successful? You know, that's a good question. I definitely did not reach out to people like I did this time, but I can't remember if I announced it before I launched, you know, on social media. This time around, what I found really helpful was the weeks leading up to the launch. I didn't tell anyone on my socials. I just said, there's a big announcement. And if you want to know, sign up for my email list. And when you do, you'll get a free song. So there was an incentive for them to be in the know. And that really helped. But I still had those core fans that I wanted to reach out to beforehand and, and tell them personally. And then I think I announced it to my whole email list, which is about 7,000 people the, the, day, uh, the day before. Um, so I made sure that those people felt like they were in the know more than just a regular other person on the internet. <laughs> awesome. Um, and 7,000 people on your email list, that is an accomplishment in and of itself because there are people out there that have like 50. Yeah. Um, is that just people who are signing up when they're going out to see you on tours or they're kind of finding you on social media and they're able to sign up through your website? Do you feel like those are more of the raving fans than the ones that you do have on social media just because there's a little bit more personality to it? Yeah, I feel like the email list is, it, it trumps any social media follow. I mean, people just follow you when they see you and, well, yeah, but that doesn't mean that they're ever going to show up at a show. So I think email subscribers are hugely important. Um, yes, I have people subscribe at shows and um, online and also when they shop in my store. So when they shop and buy something, there's they say, do you want to opt in? And that's really, I think, I think though the bulk of it it's been really helpful to have that free song, free download that you can't get anywhere else. Something that makes it different. That's really helped me grow it. Oh yeah, always providing value to your fans before they even get the cookie. Exactly. Um, okay, so taking it back again, because I really think that your journey from 2012 when you first had your successful Kickstarter to your October 2019 successful Kickstarter, how would you say the scope of social media and that landscape has changed? And have you seen it really have an impact on what you were able to do the second time around versus the first time around? That's a good question. Yeah, I think I think that I, I I don't even think that I was on Instagram as much as I no nowhere. Instagram wasn't as big in 2012 as it is now. Um, Facebook is for me. That's where the bulk of my followers are, and so I use that to my advantage for sure. Um, and just being able to promote your posts and make sure they get to as many people as possible has been has been key. Awesome. Well, and too, back in 2012, there's like half of the social media out there don't even exist anymore. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> where did MySpace go? Oh, <laughs> MySpace needs to stay where MySpace <laughs> went, I think. No one wants to bring that stuff back up. Um, so when you, you've had two successful Kickstarters, now that you are kind of done with that second one, what are the goals after the album comes out? I've seen that you have tour dates set up and whatnot, but 
even after those, are there anything that you have planned that you would want to do? Yeah. So because of the success of this Kickstarter, I was able to record an acoustic EP of six songs that are on the record, but done in a totally different way. So that was really exciting. I don't know exactly when that's going to come out yet, um, but that would be the next thing to roll out. And then somewhere in there, I'm getting married this year. So there's, it's a really big year. <laughs> a lot going on. Yes, it's a lot. Oh, that's great. But it's all good stuff. All good stuff, but on top of that, you you have the album coming out, you have new music that your fans are going to be able to get excited for even after the album comes out, So, and the wedding. So <laughs> on top of that, I think when it comes to knowing that you have these things lined up, do you have any advice for artists who may have had some sort of successful fundraising but don't necessarily know what that next step is to use the money for? Mm, yeah, I think for me it was really important to plan out what before I even launched it, have a plan. I mean, I had never would have imagined that I would raise $150,000, but um, it was really important for me to know what you, you just have to trust your gut to what, what makes sense for you. But I knew that I needed to invest in a publicist and uh, in a music video team. That's something that I put a lot of money toward that I'm going to be doing this year too. Um, so it depends if you're someone who's had a lot of success, success on YouTube, then you probably need to invest in making a lot of videos. Um, it's kind of, it's kind of coming down to what where where you connect the most with your fans. For me, it's touring, so that's always going to be my my focus. Awesome. And if you could even see your career in like five or ten years, what would that look like for you now? Kind of knowing that you've had this independent career, you were with a label, now you're kind of doing it on your own again. In five or ten years, where do you want to be? Well, I'm I'm always going to be open to working with a label again. I'm not anti-label mm -hmm. in any way, but whatever it takes to keep being able to do this, I'm open to it. I definitely never thought that this is where I would be right now, but I'm so glad that I am. So I, there are some things you just can't plan. You have to stay open and just figure out what feels best for you. But the next 10 years, I just hope to be playing to more people every night and connecting with real music fans, people that are going to keep showing up. They're not just there for, oh, you had a hit on the radio. I'm here for this season. I want to connect with people because my music means something to them in their life or it connects to their life story. So that's just what I hope keeps happening. Liz, I mean, it sounds like things are just kind of like the momentum is building for this project. And for your career so um you know congratulations on everything thank you uh for the fans out there for anyone out there uh who would love to stay in touch with you and maybe uh get on that mailing list <laughs> uh for who knows what happens in the future uh, <laughs> but uh 7, plus is a pretty significant number and uh, out of all of the takeaways for today i think that's one of the most important things to drill down to any artist get that mailing list if you're playing out on broadway if you're playing at the listening room if you're playing anywhere make sure you hand something out where people can get on your mailing list because mm -hmm. it's worked for you in a big time way mm -hmm. so how does someone get on your mailing list and uh, where can they find you on social media sure the best place to get on my mailing list is lizlongley.com that's l-i-z-l-o-n-g-l-e-y.com and the best place to stay in touch is probably on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm not a big tweeter. That's why my mm -hmm. following's low there. But it's all just Liz Longley and Facebook.com slash Liz Longley Music. Excellent. Well, we wish you the best uh, you. with your journey and with this new project. And uh, I'm sure we're going to be hearing more about you as uh, the days and weeks and months 
progress. Uh, until next time, this is John Alexander for the band Twango Podcast. We'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.